1: Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. We're recessing just one day after this nation entered a recession. I pressed the Kremlin to accept the substantial proposal that we put forth. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from DC's top name.
2: Patients with deployment-related lung disease represent a unique group of veterans.
0: America's heroes who fought in our wars outside sweating their
1: asses off while these motherfuckers sit in the air conditioning walled off from any of them. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The House heads home, leaving Senate Democrats to pass their climate and tax bill as soon as next week. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics as we focus on the debate with Congressman Kevin Brady, Republican from Texas, ranking member on the House Ways and Means Committee. Later, Senate Republicans vote down the PAC Act to give health care to veterans exposed to toxic burn pits while in service to the nation. We'll be joined by the doctor who helped to make this an issue in his research and congressional testimony. Dr. Robert Miller will be here. The bill stands to see another day likely next week. And our panel, Democratic strategist John Labormbard and Republican strategist Adam Goodman with analysis for the hour. House lawmakers heading out of town, with some exceptions, including Texas Congressman Kevin Brady. He's still here. The ranking member of the House Ways and Means Committee joins us from the nation's capital. Congressman, welcome back to Bloomberg. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, gosh, I I have to start by congratulating you on uh, your 25th and final congressional baseball game last night. I was watching. Are you feeling sore today?
3: Uh, I I am very sore today. And what I always say, during the game, you feel like you're 18 years old, but the next morning it's 118. So it's <laughs> everything in your body pretty much hurts, and on the house floor, you know, everyone that played was walking a little, a little <laughs> stiffly today. True.
1: I wouldn't be able to get out of bed.
3: <laughs> no, uh, it, some days it's like that.
1: There's been a lot of talk about taxes this week, uh, uh, as the, the Mansion Schumer deal. This reconciliation plan, if it happens, includes a 15 percent minimum corporate tax. It would also end carried interest. Uh, Chair Richard Neal seems to be on board, unless he's telling you otherwise. How about you?
3: Yeah, so no, uh, w- what country in the right mind raises taxes on American-made manufacturers as you're heading into uh, a recession? Right now, this includes $300 billion of tax, uh, really, on made America manufacturers, more federal funding to fuel infa- inflation, unleashes about 80,000 new IRS agents, mainly on farmers and small businesses. It, unfortunately, has better health care for the jobless than for those who return to work, which is a huge problem with our worker shortage. And uh, there are billions of of new Green New Deal subsidies for the very wealthy and, and biggest of businesses. I think, look, at this point, you know, can you trust the same people who brought us into a recession Raging inflation and in a worker's short. Can you really trust him now on the economy?
1: Well, I find it interesting that that Larry Summers, who's been critical of the administration uh, over inflation, critical of the Fed for starting too late, now says that this actually would lower inflation. He supported this deal and supposedly got uh, Joe Manchin off the fence. How do you yeah, well, reconcile the two?
3: Yeah, well, I don't see that. In fact, I think it's the Joint Committee on Taxation that said this will actually raise inflation now. Uh, could have an effect over the long term. But the fact is, right now, this is where people are getting crushed in, in these days and in, in these years. And inflation, as you know, is accelerating uh, on Americans. So, again, I can't imagine a worse time to, to fuel more of
1: it. I think I know the answer to this question, but did either the majority leader uh, or Joe Manchin consult the Ways and Means committees in either house over this? Um, not
3: that I'm aware of.
1: What does that say about regular order? I'll get all pure on you here, but because yeah. both parties do this, though, right? When a bill falls out of the sky without committee hearings,
3: yeah, it, it's fr- frustrating. Because especially in the tax area, every word matters and can have dramatic changes um, in our economy, in our taxing system, and that's why you want a pretty slow, deliberate, sort of thoughtful process. I know Chairman Neal feels the same way, uh, the Democrat Leader of Ways and Means Committee, and so when someone just drops it out of out of the sky, there can be real consequences. So it's not good, I don't think, for the American public to have
1: that type of system. The CHIP Act is on its way to the president, passed with the votes of 24 Republicans. Congressman, you were a no vote on this legislation. How come?
3: Yeah, I, I didn't think these subsidies for the ship manufacturers was warranted. And I think it misses a major national security challenge, which is China has targeted Publicly targeted 10 of America's manufacturing and technology abilities from artificial intelligence, robotics, biotech, uh, ag and energy innovation. And in this bill, you you are giving, you know, $74 billion of subsidies to one and ceding the other nine to China. I think that was a a terrible missed opportunity. And I also don't believe our, our semiconductor industry, which is the best in the world, needed those subsidies.
1: Because they would be investing, I mean, the the point was to draw it here into the U.S. Do you want to see more domestic chip making?
3: We do, which is why there's almost $70 billion in new plants announced without uh, any uh, conversation about federal subsidies. And So I think this is an industry that has the financing, frankly, uh, sells half of all the chips sales in the planet, Mm. production's been growing in the U.S. now for 20 20 years. In fact, it's one of our best exports, top exports from America. So I I thought this is an industry that should be making these investments, has state-of-the-art chips, has the financing to do it. So I, I didn't believe these subsidies were warranted.
1: Wow, yeah. there's is such a different story coming from the administration, obviously, that this is a national security issue and that other countries were wooing the chip makers with cash. So we needed to offer them money too.
3: Yeah, I know. And you get into this type of uh, tax subsidy war, it's uh, it is hard to win it. Look, what I want is as much of this chip manufacturing anchored in the U.S. as it is today. In fact, U.S. Makers uh, build almost half of their chips right here in the U.S. Very reliable supply chain, but then running through reliable allies like Germany and France and and in uh, South Korea, which is is which is what we do today.
1: Uh, you had a big week, Congressman. You weren't just playing baseball yesterday. Your official portrait was unveiled uh, at the Ways and yeah. Means Committee. Your family is in town, and I suspect this is a very special time for you.
3: It it has been a very good week, and look, I, I've been 26 years, and I've loved. Frankly, this job and still do, and so it was really moving to have family and friends and supporters uh, both here and at home for the unofficial portrait or uh, official portrait unveiling and the game as well. So yeah, we just it's been uh, it's been one of the best memories for weeks for me.
1: We're happy for you, but I have Thank to admit you. this game last night ten nothing. Are you kidding me? Is yeah, that, that was is
3: that, that was, the was, best
1: outing in your twenty five years? Yeah, ten nothing.
3: Yeah, actually, it is it is, and and we were. You know, you always worry about errors, but we were flawless as a team. The Democrats have a very good team. I expected it to be nip and tuck the whole time, but we we played just very well. But the neat thing, why we all play, two, two reasons. One, we race $1.7 million, mm-hmm. a record for local charities like Boys Club, Girls Club, Youth Literacy, really, really good things. But the other thing is sports unites people, and we make great friends in the Democrat uh, dugout uh, friends that, that oftentimes will carry legislation with. And I and I, I want to see more of those types of events here in Congress.
1: You should come up just to watch next year's game.
3: I'm going to. Oh, there's no question about it. <laughs> the pressure will be off.
1: And, of course, you'll deliver the first pitch. I'm glad to know this is going to happen. <laughs> Congressman Kevin Brady, Republican from Texas, ranking member, House Ways and Means, great to have you with us on this Thank important you. day on Bloomberg.
3: Thanks. Take care.
1: And I wasn't kidding. Ten nothing. <laughs> Republicans, quite the night for the congressman and his colleagues at Nat Stadium. And because you couldn't be there, we bring you the 113th congressional baseball game.
4: We're finally getting set for baseball, folks. Sit back, relax, enjoy a nice night of baseball here in Washington, D.C. We promise it'll be fun. One, two, ground ball through the hole in the short. That'll get a run home. The first of the night is Pfluger with the RBI single on the one-two count, and just like that, it's one nothing Republicans. Threaded the needle right there with a nice shot between third base and shortstop, and a swing, ground ball down the short should get a run home. Long throw across, oh. and he pulls him off the bag. Wow. Huffman couldn't keep his foot on the bag, and Moore is safe, and the run scores. It is two nothing Republicans. Nice swing and there is a nice shot out towards center field that might bring home two. Gonzalez, nice swing on it. It is going to bring home two. The Republicans leading this game four to nothing. Brady's going to come out of the game in a nice ovation. Nice, classy move there from Williams. Listen to the nice ovation. Kevin Brady with the tip of the hat. Well deserved. Great career in this, in this congressional baseball. Game. Besides uh, for Brady and everybody else <laughs> his due as well. Crowd chanting Brady behind the first base dugout as he comes off and hugs from everybody. Classy move there to bring it out of the game. a nice bipartisan moment, too,
1: to see both sides giving him a nice hand coming out. Lots of hugs around. Yeah. It, ooh, Aguilar oh. doesn't believe
4: it. Can't believe it. Loves it. Run number five for the Republicans. It's going to come in. It's going to drop oh, in front of them Misjudge that everybody's, everybody's going to move up. And it is 10-0. Republicans with the lead. Here's the 3-2. Swing and a miss. And, three and the ball game is over. Pflueger in relief of Greg Stubbe. Comes in and hugs Brian. Davis, the Republicans out of the dugout to congratulate each other as the Republicans a dominant performance here tonight to win it ten to nothing.
1: Ah, uh, yes. Play by play courtesy Fox Sports. They've been playing that game since 1909. We'll assemble the panel next on Bloomberg.
0: The countdown has begun.
1: This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Does the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 actually lower inflation? We know Democrats and Republicans disagree. We've been getting a lot of different answers on this. And there's a new study from Penn Wharton that takes a side. From the Penn Wharton budget model, as I read on the terminal, it estimates that the act would cause inflation to very slightly rise, rise until 2024 and then slide. Well, a little after that. Overall, this is something the researchers say in the report out Friday. There's, quote, low confidence the legislation will have any impact on inflation, unquote which to quote John McLaughlin means you're all wrong, right? Democrats say it's going to come down. Republicans say it's going to pour more gas on the fire or whatever the line we keep hearing. What if it does nothing for inflation is addressing the climate and the deficit and prescription drug pricing, not enough on its own. We assembled the panel. Adam Goodman is back with us. Republican strategist, senior fellow at Tufts university Fletcher school and for the first time, John LaBombard of Rock Solutions, former communications director for Senator Kirsten Cinema, among other senators. It's a long resume. John, welcome. It's great to have you. I wonder if Thank you think you. the White House is just over promising on this when it comes to the inflation story, or I guess that's the whole point of everything right now. Every, all roads lead to inflation.
5: Yeah, well, overpromising has unfortunately, at times, been a hallmark uh, of our party leadership over the past year and a half. Mm-hmm. In this case, um, you know, I listened to your conversation with the congressman a few moments ago. I-, I do think that Larry Summers has made some great points about the really good provisions in this bill that can be counterinflationary. Um, at the end of the day, this is unfortunately going to be a somewhat rushed process as a result of how these negotiations have dragged on. So legislators are going to have to take a look at all the sum total of the policies in this package and make their own determination about whether they're worthy of their support. Mm -hmm. Of course, uh, I'm a moderate Democrat, but I'm a Democrat and I tend to think that there's a lot in this bill worth supporting.
1: Noting the tax component. uh, And I know you don't speak for her now, but does this strike you as something your former boss from Arizona would support?
5: Well, it's a really strange strategy, in my personal view, on the part of Senator Schumer. Um, You know, this is this is an issue area that Senator Sinema has been vocal on. She's perhaps old-fashioned in the way that she believes we should be quite cautious and thoughtful when it comes to the idea of raising taxes. We are emerging from a global pandemic. We've got record inflation and supply chain disruptions. So this is a really uncertain economic climate, and Senator Sinema has been crystal clear for more than a year that mm-hmm. she's really carefully going to scrutinize this tax policy. Th- the carried interest provision in particular, that's not something that was even included in the House passed Build Back Better legislation. Yeah. It's not something that was in the White House framework that she signaled support for last year. So, My guess, not having spoken to her, is that she's going to look at this with a healthy amount of skepticism and scrutiny. Mm -hmm. And I will say it's a bit of a mystery to me why Senator Schumer added it in at the 11th hour
1: without having her in the room. At least this is fascinating. Uh, Adam Goodman, are the media already too far out over their skis on this? People are writing about it like it's a done deal. But we don't know where a lot of people, including Senator Sinema, stand on this.
6: That's correct. I'm, I'm kind of smiling a little bit right now, Joe, because first of all, you have to love the name game, right? This this started as the Build Back America, Build America Better, whatever it is, program of 21, and yep. now it's been slimmed down to the Inflation Reduction Act, right?
1: Right. Well, it's, it's very it, direct. It's isn't
6: all, it? Right. What it really is is the Joe Manchin Act. That's what it. Where it is? <laughs> this was the Joe Manchin play. This was a Joe Manchin Act, and it was done obviously in the dead of the night. I thought that. uh Kevin Brady's comment was very important just a few minutes ago when he he said that when it comes to tax policy in particular, you don't play around with policies You really have to kind of go through the numbers and make sure it kind of all adds up. And that's the point uh, of the Ways right, and Means Committee. Right. Exactly. And John just mentioned, yeah you know, that, that the carried interest income piece of this wasn't even on the table before. He's right. Uh, you know, the corporate minimum tax is a debatable item at a time when we're looking at recession. And then the consumers, you know what the consumers are really going to take out of this bill is called a bigger, better IRS. They're talking about putting more money and agents into play. So impact on inflation? Don't know. It is the Joe Manchin Act. But I think what it really is beyond anything else, Joe and John, I think the Democrats needed some kind of a, a win. They feel maybe they got a bit of a win here as opposed to what the Triple B was headed to a certain defeat. Yeah. Uh and maybe that's all all that will play for this, but the ramifications of all of it are yet mm-hmm. to be known and they could be somewhat
1: grim. Okay, so, John, you know, in in terms of negotiating, this isn't done yet. I know that the parliamentarian is is scrubbing certain text, but there is a little bit of breathing room here, right? If there's what's 350 or 370 billion dollars of actual spending and more than 700 billion in revenue raised, uh, hence the deficit reduction, maybe Kirsten Sinema could knock that carried interest component out of the bill. Is that what you see?
5: The real possibility. You know, I expect that as she has said and as she has done throughout her career, Senator Cinema will take the time to really carefully review this text, which uh, seems to still be in flux. Yep. Senator Schumer and others seem to be floating ideas for what to include and not. And ultimately, she'll make her decision based on what she believes and will argue is best for Arizona. Um, what I hope is that Senator Schumer and other party leaders recognize that that's a real possibility that you laid out, and that she will not bend to political pressure."
1: I like this panel. John and Adam are with us for the hour. We turn to the PACT Act or what's left of it next. This is Bloomberg. Broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Bloomberg 99.1 to New York, Bloomberg 1130 to Boston, Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960 to the country, Sirius XM channel 119 and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg Radio.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew. The PACT Act was supposed to be a bipartisan win, but it failed this week. The bill to provide health care to veterans with health problems from toxic burn pits blocked by Republicans in the Senate could get another chance, though. And we'll be joined next by Dr. Robert Miller of Vanderbilt Health, who testified on this before the Senate VA committee. The PACT Act was named for Heath Robinson. A sergeant the Ohio National Guard deployed to Kosovo in Iraq, he died of lung cancer two years ago and blamed it on burn pit exposure. You've heard about burn pits. Do you know about this? They were it was common practice at military bases in the two wars, Iraq and Afghanistan, open air burn pits. They would throw everything in these things from hazardous materials to electronics, and they would they would spray it with jet fuel and set it on fire. Not good for the people who are breathing the air around it. This is why this bill was first here, uh, first written. But it failed yesterday in the Senate, blocked by uh, Republicans. Twenty five of them had supported it a month ago. And we wanted to talk just to learn a bit more about it by the doctor whose research and testimony on Capitol Hill helped to make this an issue to begin with, as I mentioned, Dr. Robert Miller, pulmonologist at Vanderbilt Health, is with us. Doctor, thanks for being with us on Bloomberg.
7: Oh, Thank you for having me.
1: There's a medical side of this story, and as it turns out, there's a political side, too. But I want to start by establishing, based on your experience and your expertise here, some perspective. Do we know how many veterans have lung problems, if not worse, from being exposed to burn pits in deployment since 9-11?
7: We know that the number is large. The exact number is a little hard to pin down, but I would say that there's a minimum of probably 10% of the three and a half million people deployed who have had some type of respiratory complaint.
1: Wow. You have been talking about this for years. You've testified on Capitol Hill. You started research on this going back almost 20 years. Do you feel like people are finally hearing this? I mean, I realize the legislation stalled this week, and that's why we're talking about it, and I want to understand why we need this bill. But do you have an ear on Capitol Hill?
7: I think that's uh, difficult to know. Actually, I've been doing this since 2004, when we first started seeing patients from Fort Campbell with unexplained shortness of breath. Uh And um, we learned pretty quickly that there was a real problem based on the lung biopsies that we were doing at the time. In some cases, I think they they listen and in some cases I think that they're going with another set of information. Uh-huh. You know, for for example, you know, our first set of patients came from uh, exposure to a sulfur fire in northern Iraq and we were sure that those patients were affected, but the DOD did some surveillance data and decided that, uh, well, there really isn't any evidence that uh, anybody was really hurt by this. And they've done similar things with uh, people who have operated the burn pits and said, well, the people operating the burn pits really have not had any worse disorders than the general deployer. So we're not sure there's a problem there. Well, you've made the point
1: uh, in your testimony, uh, doctor, that the fact that this isn't a visible war wound is part of the problem here here's how you put it in testimony in 2019
2: patients with deployment related lung disease represent a unique group of veterans while this injury may not be as noticeable as loss of limb respiratory disorders are associated with lifetime limitation it has been 10 years since i presented our preliminary data to this committee
1: is that the problem to begin with doctor that it's not a visible injury
7: for for the patients that I've taken care of I think that that's a big part of the problem and not only is it not visible it's it's not detectable with your usual tools so x-rays and ct scans and yeah. pulmonary function tests are all normal or near normal on this population
1: yeah that brings us to that same testimony 2019 the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee you talked about the lack of care that many veterans with pulmonary disease are receiving. And in an exchange in this case between you and Senator Sherrod Brown, you made the point that the DOD had stopped referring these cases to you. Let's listen. We're not
2: seeing as many direct referrals from Fort Campbell as we used to. A lot of them have seen other providers who are not familiar with this. Or- they yeah. stopped. they stopped referring veterans to specialists? They stopped referring to Vanderbilt and other academic institutions and chose to refer to DOD facilities. Are they getting the care they should? I think that if you were to go to one of the centers that they were referring to, you would get a different evaluation than you might get with us or with
1: other academic medical centers. So clearly, the DOD centers treating these patients, to your point, were not going far enough as you said also, yes. in their diagnoses. Is that a fair assessment?
7: We we became involved when the DOD asked us to start seeing Fort Campbell patients. Once we presented our data, the DOD says, we'll take it from here, and they started evaluating the patients themselves. Uh-huh. The difference is is that they didn't take this patients as far as we did, and they didn't do lung biopsies. So we would frequently do a lung biopsy and demonstrate that these patients had toxic lung injury, the DOD facilities would typically see them, evaluate them, and say, well, all your studies are normal. Yeah. Uh, Be on your way.
1: So now that we've established this, how would this legislation fix that problem?
7: The legislation would help uh, with the patients that we've taken care of in two ways. One is that the patients that we have diagnosed would now have a service-connected disability. Uh-huh. When we identify a patient with constrictive bronchiolitis, the VA does not grant disability benefits because their x-rays and pulmonary function tests are normal, and that's the criteria that they use for disability mm-hmm. benefits. The, the second thing is, is that it would allow patients that we evaluate clinically and feel as if they have constrictive bronchiolitis The same uh, opportunity for benefits, okay, because we would consider it a presumptive diagnosis.
1: Can John Stewart help you sell it?
7: I think he has helped us sell it because what he has pushed very hard is the idea that it is incorrect to require the veteran to prove the disability that their disability is due to deployment. Hmm. That's been the problem since I've been involved and 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 much much before i've been involved is that the veteran has had to prove their link to dis, to service
1: well we'll see what we get next week it's an important conversation doctor i want to thank you for joining us uh, with your insights dr robert miller thanks for being with us on bluebird okay. thank you majority leader chuck schumer is pledging to bring the bill back for another vote to break a filibuster on monday we'll let you know what happens and we'll reassemble the panel next on the fastest hour in politics this is Bloomberg.
0: The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor q and join heads of state influential ministers and leading ceos to make new connections and gain unique insights learn more at cutter
1: this is bloomberg sound on on bloomberg radio democrats say republicans turned on the bill to help veterans made sick from burn pits in protest Over the Schumer-Mansion deal on reconciliation that we were talking about before. Again, 25 Republicans who first supported the PACT Act voted against it this week. A procedural vote that kept it from clearing the filibuster. And as I mentioned, Chuck Schumer says he'll bring it back for another cloture vote on Monday. So this could still live to see another day. Next door in the House, Speaker Nancy Pelosi uh, had nothing good to say about her colleagues on the other side of the aisle. Here she is.
0: It's so ridiculous. Wait a minute. You're not going to help our veterans because we want to lower the cost of prescription drugs. Because we want to lower the cost of health care.
1: Okay, so there's a lot of politics going on both sides of this here. Uh, We reassembled a panel for more on this. Having heard from the doctor... And the politicians, Adam Goodman, Republican strategist, senior fellow Tufts University Fletcher School is here today, along with John LaBombard of Rock Solutions, former communications director for Senator Kirsten Cinema. Uh, Adam, there's a lot of politics going on here. It's a little bit difficult to tell exactly where the truth is. It's frequently somewhere in the middle. Is it fair to be blaming Republicans for this? For instance, Senator Pat Toomey says there's budget gimmicks going on in this bill, but it's, it's not a good look uh, politically to vote against it.
6: Well, th- let's look at what's, what's really happening here. Number one, who doesn't support helping veterans who are suffering from post-9-11 injuries, uh, from burn pits or anything? I mean, who yeah. would be against trying to help our veterans? And so that any kind of suggestion that this is somewhat anti-veteran or insensitive to veterans is ridiculous. Was it a protest
1: it over the, the mansion deal?
6: Well, but, but it was somewhat. But, but the mansion deal actually does. I'm glad you brought that into play, Joe, because the mansion deal does have something to do with this, because there's the other point. We have spent more money uh, under the Biden administration than any other administration in American history. Much of it is with a kick the can down the road attitude about any fiscal responsibility. And the Republicans who are who are reticent about this pact act are basically all saying we're not against the idea of this none of them are saying that they're saying we are objecting to another big ticket item where there's no attempt to show how we're going to pay for it uh versus what if we were to and the suggestion right now joe is how about phasing this in that's kind of what the the response that's coming from a lot of republicans who would vote for this pact act with that in play if we are not going to exercise any physical restraint on any front Uh, And it's easy to feel good to say you're for mom and apple pie. But this is a situation where it's going to cost us a lot of money as everything else is costing us a lot of money. Like the new supposed inflation reduction act is going to cost money. Where does it stop? That's where Republicans are trying to draw the line.
1: So how do you handle this politically, John? This is this is money we, we owe these veterans, isn't it?
5: Points about fiscal restraint, some of which I would even agree on, but this particular issue is pretty cut and dry for me. I think this is a big political mistake for these Senate Republicans who voted against the bill. Senator Toomey has made some consistent points on this, but as you said, dozens of other Republicans had previously supported this legislation, and look, they felt bamboozled by the fact that there was a late eleventh-hour deal between Senator Manchin and Senator Schumer. Is it as simple on as this that? reconciliation? Oh I think it is. And and look, those Republicans should take heart because that news shocked the heck out of the Senate Democrats as well. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, them's the breaks and the Senate Republicans are not in the majority at this moment. And I myself am familiar with a Senate Republican who's who's very accustomed to using hard brass knuckle tactics to get their priorities done on the floor that's senator mitch mcconnell who yeah, runs the republican right. caucus mm-hmm. so i have a feeling that when this bill comes back up next week there will be a yep. way for many of these senate republicans including in my view some who have been champions for our veterans senator blunt and others to get back around to supporting this important legislation
1: you think this loosens up on monday if they take another round here adam
6: well i first of all i want to agree with what john said yeah. i think that this is going to come back around uh, and that there's going to be some moderation in how I think we bring this into play, then you will get the Republicans back again. Uh, is this a, something that will reverberate politically? Uh, that was obviously, you know, some of the purpose of the hyperbole we heard uh, coming from certain people in the House. Um, uh, that will continue, of course, because now we're in, headed. Headlong into the midterm elections, and everything's political and everything is cut and dried, apparently. So, I I do feel good that I think the PAC Act will eventually, um, with sober minds, uh, will move forward and it should move forward, but it can move forward with a sense of fiscal. Uh, responsibility attached to it, as opposed to a again a headlong rush into spending. Curious more. to
1: see how this evolves over the weekend, uh, as Speaker Nancy Pelosi takes off on a rather important trip—at least suddenly important. This is typically not the kind of thing that even gets in the news, you know, a congressional uh, Codell, But she's headed to uh, to uh, Asia, and it's been controversial lately. This is Singapore, Japan, South Korea are on the schedule. We don't know about Taiwan. That's what, you know, she's been questioned about. This is what supposedly Joe Biden or the Pentagon didn't want her to do. And God knows the Chinese don't. But don't ask the speaker because she won't tell you. Here's uh, what happened today when this came up at the briefing.
0: I don't ever talk about my travel because, as some of you know, it's a security issue. It's a security issue for every member of Congress traveling. She floated the possibility
1: of uh, there was concern. She said that she might be shot down. I I, I don't know where that came from the other day here, John. Uh, but would it not be unlike Nancy Pelosi to show up in Taiwan and unfurl a democracy flag, kind of like she did in <laughs> Tiananmen Square? How does she back down now?
5: It's a good question. That would not be unlike Speaker Pelosi. And, and look, Speaker Pelosi has a decades long history of calling out human rights abuses, including on the part of Beijing. But yeah, this is a deeply troubling and fraught time on the international stage. You know, we obviously, smarter people than I have pointed out that China is looking at and taking lessons from Russia's belligerent actions in Ukraine. Um, There are no cut and dry answers or sound bites to solve the puzzle Mm -hmm. of America's commitments related to Taiwan. I personally have faith that speaker Pelosi is taking all this into account and she's going to rely heavily on our diplomatic corps and military leaders but if I had to guess, I bet Speaker Pelosi's heart um, is is doing exactly what yeah. you said, showing up in Taiwan and showing our commitment to the people there.
1: You know, she shows deference to Joe Biden, though. I mean, Mark General Mark Milley Adams said, hey, if, if we're told that that the speaker is going to Taiwan, we'll get her there. There will be military <laughs> uh, coverage and a military escort that gets her in and out safely. But does she want to put Joe Biden in that spot?
6: I, this is a high wire act at a time when we already are, are on pins and needles about just how far Russia may want to go in their yeah. invasion of Ukraine and the impact that may have in China's thirst to move forward on a long time objective of theirs of reuniting Taiwan with the mainland. The shoot down the Pelosi plane thing, by the way, uh, Joe came from the executive editor, former executive editor of the communist party's global times who suggested that may be an option. Uh, and you're playing with a country, that already is claiming that Taiwan Strait is there. Is it's not international right. waters? The world's largest navy. They're they're flexing with words like "We will exert a great wall of steel if they come this <laughs> way." Okay. I, I I admire, by the way, Speaker Pelosi showing this kind of concern, but yeah. actually landing in Taiwan, I think, is something that could have all sorts of ramifications. Uh, and I think at this time with everything else we're faced with, maybe not worth doing at this. Very yeah.
1: Moment. Yeah. Right. It's interesting uh, how seriously the Chinese are taking this, John, uh, you know, the defense secretary, secretary of state uh, have both been there in, in past years. Why not the speaker?
5: That's a good question, you know, and and I think that's probably a question that she and, and her team are asking themselves as well, but To Adam's point, every moment on the international stage and in foreign relations is different than the last and different from the one that comes next. And the situation in the Ukraine, I think, is reshaping the world stage in many ways, and it's really reshaping thinking in Beijing. The the one thing I will say, and I I imagine Speaker Pelosi's uh, sentiment is here as well, American leaders are not going to take orders from Beijing Mm. when it comes from comes to showing our support for freedom, for democracy, and for our commitments as it relates to the people of Taiwan. That doesn't mean, though, uh, that Adam doesn't have some very fair and valid points that I'm confident her team is considering about the ramifications that could mushroom out from her landing in Taiwan.
1: Well, it's interesting when you hear from Republicans, Adam, they say, well, why wouldn't we want to go visit a, uh, a great ally of ours? Go ahead, Madam Secretary. But that's kind of sarcasm, isn't it?
6: It's always about timing, Joe. You know that. And yeah. The timing right now is uh, is really risky. And you know, it's a it's great story. Will she or won't she? Will she land or won't she <laughs> land? Will they let her land or will you know? All that. It's a wonderful right. story. Well, of course, the last major official uh, from Congress to visit was Newt Gingrich 25 years ago. I think we need to have a very solid modern policy towards Taiwan. Uh, but I think, uh, and I admire again the grit. It got Speaker Pelosi to suggest this, but I think uh, the actual act of doing it with everything else going on is not something America should be cheering
1: for. Well, I guess you're third in line for the presidency and uh, the Chinese take interest. Great conversation, great panel with Adam Goodman and John LaBombard of Rock Solutions. Fascinating insights as we walk into the weekend together. Thanks for spending time with us. And don't forget... To subscribe to the Sound On podcast, if you haven't already, we'll meet you back here on Monday. Have a great weekend. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg.
0: The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum, powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry, and Media City Qatar, and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.